Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, how are you doing this week, my friend? Better than last week. That's uh, what I can say. Um, a lot better than last week. I said for for those that have you know either watched my show, I was literally getting sick with COVID on my show last Wednesday. Um, so I was down and out for most of the end of last week, but I am back, mostly ready to go. So let's go. All right, let's do it. T Frank back and better than ever. I Definitely not better this, than ever. Uh... No, 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 <laughs> not better than ever. Still tender, still a little, still, still a little, a uh, little raw after all of that. But yeah, ready to go for sure. But T Frank, I promise I'll be gentle with you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Listen, uh, T Frank, a week ago after the show, you and I kept chatting and we talk about different things. And one of the things that we were talking about was Brenton Strange, the tight end from Penn State last year, entered the NFL draft, and hopefully will have a very nice NFL career. But we, I think we both agreed that his effect on this Penn State offense was greater than he's often given credit for. So I wanted to talk about that with you with the context of, okay, this is what he offered Penn State last year then next quarter what are they going to do without him but yeah. before we get into strange specifically penn state would often play two and even three tight ends at a time mm-hmm. but it's not a case where a tight end is a tight end is a tight end within the tight end room they're playing different positions they're doing different things before we get into brenton strange specifically could you explain to us the different positions within tight end yeah, so it depends on whose offense you're in, what you call it, but it's basically the same thing. You have your inline tight end, which is the Y tight end, the traditional on the end of the line of scrimmage tight end that blocks defense vends and linebackers that creep up to the line of scrimmage and that uh, runs pass routes from that position, meaning more vertical stuff up the seam sometimes, especially in Penn State's offense. That That's kind of what it means. Um which I'm, I'm immediately thinking of six different situations where it isn't, <laughs> where sometimes it's the split out. But anyway, then you have um, the other tight end. Now, the other tight end can play the Y, but traditionally the way that Mike Yersich has done it is that um, they, they kind of have two different roles within the offense because uh, the, the H-back, sometimes they call it the F, uh, but the H-back lines up at the perimeter of the formation off the line of scrimmage and has more mobile blocking responsibilities. So that means he's pulling, he's uh, you know going to the backside of the formation, he's maybe leading. Like the point of being an H-back is that you can go anywhere. You can, you can suddenly be a fullback, or you can suddenly be a, t- a split receiver. It's the, it's the variability of that position that gives it its strength. It's why, you know, to me, when I was thinking about Brenton Strange going into the NFL, like that would be what I thought he would be able to do is quasi-fullback, H-back sort of role. Um, and, and that is uh, the position that is open because that's what he did for Penn State a lot last year. Now, if they're in a single tight end uh, situation, he can also play the Y. So it's not like you only play the H or you you only do this. Like you can play both positions if you're a tight end. So 
a tight end is a tight end until we need to do specific jobs and then they have more specializ- specialization within that. The- Excuse me, Theo Johnson didn't play the H-back nearly as much. And if he did, he was usually the second H-back in a situation. You know, both guys, Penn State at the end of the season had a formation where they had basically two fullbacks in the backfield where they would both be sidecar to the quarterback and then the, the running back would be in a pistol formation behind him. Again, just the, the balance and variability that, that Mike Yersich wanted to put into the offense. That's, you know, tight ends are very versatile, but some tight ends are more versatile than others. Okay, then let's talk about Brenton Strange specifically. As you define the two, there's the what we traditionally think is the tight end lined up uh, in the Y position. But Bretton Strange was the guy who would do almost anything, including H-back, could, which could be translated into a fullback, pull and be a lead blocker. Is that what made Bretton Strange special last year was his ability to do all the different things? So it set him apart, I would say, is really uh, what it did for him. Because kind of going through the film and then looking at some of the data, um, he rose to the level of of good at pull blocking. And, and I don't mean that specifically in um, like the pull concept where you take two offensive linemen and you pull them out in space. You can take two, an offensive lineman, a tight end, whatever you want to do, like just as long as they're pulling to the front side of the play. Um, so he was good at that. But anytime where he, that's why I was talking about mobile blocking. So even as simple as an inside zone, there is a block called a split block for the H back where they come to the backside uh, against the run formation and they kick out the unblocked defensive end or they kick out the the guy on the end of the line of scrimmage that has a free run at the at the runner. So he would have those blocks counter um, when Penn State would run counter plays. Anytime that you needed to have somebody run in front and block, he was the guy that did it and he was pretty good at it. Now, the problem is not necessarily that he was really good at it, but that last year everyone else was bad at it. So that's really my question about what Penn State has next year is do do those guys improve and who's going to be the guy that steps into that particular part of the offense because it really provided them a unique balance where lots of teams that like to run zone, you can run man, which is uh, the kind of the other side of the coin in some ways from inside zone Uh, for defense. When you're looking at it, at least that's how it looks. Um, And then secondarily, if you want to play off of that and say, okay, this is not man. Now all of a sudden we're pulling and we're getting into something completely different from our base offense. He was a bit of the catalyst for that. He was, he was, I think part of the reason they were able to be so diverse last year in the run game, which gave them so many opportunities to create big plays and balance, you know, that, that balance we keep talking about. It's just not just about formations. It's also about, uh, play types and schemes and I'm just it's an open question this is not saying that nobody can do it uh, because at one point Brenton Strange wasn't wasn't good at this so is Tyler Warren the next guy to be able to do that and that's gonna that you know that's one of the things I'm looking for next year that's going to help identify the personality uh, of this offense next year because it was one thing this year and they've lost I think an important part of that so how do they adapt next year and do they try and do that or do they pivot to a new strength of another player and, and, and try to lean into that? Explain to me, uh, T. Frank, the difference in the skill set from blocking from, say, you know, the Y position and doing it as the H back. 
is it a completely different skill set? Not necessarily, no. Um, but there's just some subtle differences. Of um, it's the same thing for an offensive lineman if you're down blocking. So if you the offensive line has two goals, right? So they they want to move the guys off the line of scrimmage, but then secondarily they want to get to the second level and they want to block a linebacker so that you get the running back to the safety scot free with a big old hole. Uh, with room to run, make cuts, and, and make big plays. So it's kind of just like uh, you're good at blocking at the line of scrimmage, but you struggle to latch on and attach to mobile uh, defenders who are in space, and you have to get to the second level. You have to do so with proper technique, proper base, and then make an effect once you get there. A great example um, is uh, trying to think of somebody who's, who's very good at that on the offensive line. Uh, I'll come back to that in a minute, but like, that's, that's the difference here is like a defensive end being blocked by a, a tight end. It's a much, you're making contact for sure, or you should be, or else you're, you're in deep trouble. Um, but getting to the second level and getting to that linebacker and having yourself in the proper blocking scheme, like making sure that you are, you, you've got your, your back to the hole you're trying to create and not letting that guy into the, proper side of the, the blocking scheme that's that's a skill and uh some tight ends have that skill some tight ends don't have that skill um so theo johnson last year struggled a little bit in, in it's called inline blocking when you're on the line of scrimmage because you're in line with the the offensive line surprise uh he actually improved a lot at that last year towards the end of the season he was making some good impactful blocks albeit against maybe not the best biggest, strongest defensive ends, you know, against Utah in the Rose Bowl. Um, but he was becoming a much better blocker out in space, you know, space blocking against uh, defensive backs and cornerbacks and things like that. So just different areas and different skills within that subset can open up different opportunities. Um, and and this is one area, you know, coming back to Brenton Strange of, does Tyler Warren have this skill? Because he is significantly bigger in terms of like his frame. He's six foot six. He's, um, I think, a taller player. He's a little stiffer than than Strange was, and so does he have the um, the ability to hit these these blocks at full speed and create an impact? Because if he can, he might be better. Like he's bigger, he's got the physicality to do it. It's just more about does he have the athletic skill set to do it? Because he would be the guy that is going to step into that role most likely seeing as Theo Johnson is, you know, going to maintain what he did last year. Let's talk about what effect that blocking skill has. I've been saying for a long time since even during the season and afterwards, and I hope I'm not just overreacting to one or two plays, but it felt like every time there was a big play, a big running play, specifically Nick Singleton, it was Brenton Strange who threw the block that made the big play happen. Was that me overreacting to one or two instances, or was that truly the case? A difference uh, it, maker by Bretton Strange. A, a little bit of an overreaction, um, especially he, it always happens when it's like early in the season. So that Auburn game, that's what happened. He was right there opening holes for uh, Nick Singleton on those big runs. Um, he did so throughout the season as well, but there were, you know, uh, there were games and times in the Big Ten where he was a little bit less effective you know I, I I don't want to say he was bad at any point in the season because he was Penn State's best blocker but yeah there were times where he was overmatched or that he uh, didn't quite execute the block that you thought he would be able to 
Um, but on the whole, this conversation about he was the team's best run blocker and and it wasn't even close from the body of work last year. So uh, somebody does have to step into that role as a tight end if you want to maintain the level of consistency in the offense. Um, obviously, the offensive line is much more important. But in terms of the complete picture of the offense, yeah, I, I think that he was uh, integral. But maybe uh, I don't I just I don't want to overshoot. I don't want to overshoot and say like he's he was the offense or he was the run blocking scheme. They will be good this year. It's just to me, it's the it's the how are you going to characterize this? What are the the characteristics of the offense that they're going to use? And he is a part of that. Leave it to me to do the overreacting on this team here, T. Frank. All right. That is it for quarter number one. Next segment, we're going to talk about next year at the tight end position. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He is T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Galante. We're talking tight ends today. Uh, in the first quarter, specifically, we talked about Bretton Strange and what he did for the offense last year at Penn State. T. Frank, Bretton Strange is gone. So the question becomes, what do they do this year? Is there somebody ready to fill the role that Bretton Strange filled last year? So that is the question I've had for two years now. Um, who's Who's got the similar skill set? You know, we just described the two different positions in the first quarter of the Y and the H-back. And who is the next H-back uh, in the offense? And that's something I've been wondering for a while uh, about who will eventually take over and not just sub in for uh, Strange on occasion. Because the obvious answer is Tyler Warren. And I forget who I, I was talking to or what I was listening to. I think it might have been might have been Drew Aller 
on Adam Brenneman's podcast. And he was talking or somebody was talking about Tyler Warren. And they said, and this is kind of what I've thought as well of uh, he has similar skills to Theo Johnson. Like he's more similar to Theo than he would be to Brenton Strange. And I, I kind of had that feeling as well of last year. But but this is the thing is like Theo Johnson didn't start the year and Tyler Warren kind of struggled out of the gate. So was he not ready for that position? Because it, it just he's had an odd fit is what I'm trying to say is like, I don't know that he fits perfectly in either position because he is a great athlete. He is pretty mobile. I think he's a little stiff compared to strange, but he is still, you know, a good athlete that can run and can uh, especially get up field. And uh, he can obviously, if we talk about receiving at the contested catch point, he's been the best uh, Penn state receiver over the last couple of years. He just hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but as a run blocker, what fits him best? And I just, I don't know. Um, that's kind of the open question I have is, is it, it going to be him? Um, or is it going to be somebody else? The, the issue would be that if it's not him, he is once again, going to be the team's third tight end filling in for both positions, moonlighting as, as the, the Y and as the H and somebody else would take over those, those H back roles full time. My assumption is it's him and it's a soft assumption that he can't do it by the way. Like this is more of a, well, we haven't really seen him do it full time yet. And when we've seen it, it's been good and bad. It's not like it's been just bad. It's been good and bad kind of highs and lows. So is he going to be able to do it in time? Kind of like talking about Drew Aller. Is he going to be able to get into the role and uh, fulfill those those duties on each play in a way that is consistent and that they can rely upon him because that's something they're going to need. The running game is they're going to need that out of the gate with a first-time starting quarterback. So it's like I said, it's an open question. The obvious answer for two years has been Tyler Warren. It's just, okay, I'd like to see it now. I'd like to see a little bit more to know what his real, the nuances of his strengths and weaknesses. And we just haven't seen any of that yet because he's been behind these two really good starting tight ends. Next man up appears to be Khalil Dinkins. Have you seen enough of him to make a judgment as to where you think his strengths are? Oh, yeah. And that's more of a physical build thing that he is much more of an H back because he's not a Y. He's not an inline tight end. Um, you know, also his skill set. He's a great receiver. Um, I think he would bring something different to the position than we've seen from the other guys in terms of leaning very heavily more in a Mike Gesicki type uh, role, but at the at the H back. His blocking is a question. Like I, I haven't seen enough of it. I, I what I have seen, like in the blue white game, I was like, okay, that that's acceptable. That is, he's performing the block. He is not. He is not physically winning the alter the, the altercation here, but he is uh, performing the block, and he is not. He is uh, not allowing negativity into the offensive structure by losing or giving up ground. But again, it's the blue white game. It's uh, the end of the Ohio game. It's not necessarily some full bore activity. Um, but he is, he is going to be an H back in the system. I think he's going to contribute this year as a receiving H back. And then I'm excited to be pleasantly surprised and, and, you know, learn more information about him as a, as a run blocker, because it just takes time from a guy that was primarily a receiver in, in high school with Dinkins to the transition to that, um, that running back position. And I'm sorry, running back position to the uh, to the the tight end position like blocking is hard. It's not a natural thing for people to do. So coming from receiver, it takes a little bit of time. So I think you'll get there. It's just um, 
I wouldn't rely on him to be the lead guy this year. A year ago, T. Frank, there were some uh, formations where Penn State used three tight ends. The T formation, one example. When they used that diamond formation in the backfield with the two tight ends uh, side, each side of the quarterback, did they also have an inline tight end? I guess where I'm headed with this is, did Penn State use three tight ends last year because they had three good tight ends? Or was it they are married to a couple of those formations that have three tight ends? So we're going to see Khalil Dinkins or somebody else would be good enough that we'll see those three tight end formations again. So I would say no. Um, not unless it's short yardage. So the, that's that's kind of the thing is like formations and personnel – help you solve problems, but they don't help you solve problems in a situation where they're not applicable. So first and 10, do you want three tight ends on the field? Now, some football fans are going to scream at the radio. Yes, of course I want three tight ends and a fullback and bring in an extra offensive lineman and get a dump truck out there. Okay. All right. But most football teams are not going to major in three tight ends in first and 10. Because what you're doing is you're it's a self-limiting thing. As the fastest tight end is a an average to a slow receiver. And you need to have threats to every part of the field. So if you're in a condensed formation with three tight ends, one receiver, first off, then you gotta decide is it Cephas? Is it uh is it going to be Trey Wallace? Is it going to be Keandre Lambert Smith? Who's gonna be out there as the third as the only receiver? when you've got guys that you want to have on the field. So I wouldn't imagine they're going to dip into three tight ends as a regular thing, but in a short yardage specialty situation where you want to create matchup problems. Yeah. Like that's, again, that's the T formation. That's your, any short yardage formation that you want to use and then use a tight end when they bring in a third linebacker uh, onto the football field. And then you explode that out into a three receiver set. That's where you get your advantage of now you've got their Sam, their Sam or their will, whatever, linebacker is their weakest against one of your better receiving tight ends. That is where the matchup, that's what you're trying to do, but you're not trying to do that at all times because then the defense just puts a safety out there and, and it's, it's null and void. So um, I would say that they're going to run two tight ends and they're going to have that as a strong part of the offense. They are trying to get to three receivers. Like that's the, I think you look at James Franklin's offenses over the years. You look at what Mike Yersich has done traditionally They'll do whatever it takes with the offense. And I talked to Mike Yersich about this. He doesn't care about the personnel package. He wants to win. But if he had a preference, I imagine he would have three receivers out there. Because when I talked to him about three receivers, he's like, you know, about personnel packages. He said, you don't have to have 12. LSU was one of the greatest offenses of all time. They ran 11 personnel exclusively and they didn't sub. So, you know, he was he had that information ready to go talking about like 11 personnel. So to me, like they want to be one thing, but they have this talent and this depth of tight end. They're going to use what they have at, at hand. Just to clarify, 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Yes. The 11 being meaning one and one with the running back and the tight end. Uh, T. Frank, let's talk beyond. We know Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren are one, two at the tight ends. I've made that assumption of Khalil Dinkins being next up. Yep. How about the rest of the tight end room? There's Jerry Cross, and then there's the two true freshmen, Schlafler and Rappelier. Any chance that any of those three contribute this year? 
Well, I'll never say there's no chance. You know, that's that's one thing I've learned is that, you know, these kids, the light bulb comes on for them at any point and they can get better at any point. They're all talented. Like, that's the point of Penn State's tight end room. That's the point of Penn State's offense and roster in general is that, like, the light just has to come on for some of these very talented young players. Everything we heard in the spring was that it was not coming on for the Penn State young tight ends. I'm going to lump them all together because there's not any specific information about those guys. When I have seen Jerry Cross specifically in the game, in the blue-white game, I've seen as many mental errors as I have seen plays. So I, I don't think that he is on track right now to be a fourth tight end. And that's kind of the vibe James Franklin gave us. That could have changed over the summer. He might just show up and all of that talent that Penn State fans are super excited about, like he might start using it. But he's a young player in terms of he didn't really have a high school career between COVID and injury. So he's got a lot of learning to do. Joey Schlaffer has a lot of growing to do. Like he he's a another receiver. He was another guy that was a six foot six and a half, 215 pound wide receiver in high school. He is not ready physically uh, for that challenge yet. He got bigger. And, and that's what uh, Chuck Losey said during our, our latest conversation is like, I'm really impressed with how far he's come with the subtext of he had a really long way to go. Um, you know, I saw him at camp one time and I confused him for a different player because I just, physically he looked different than everybody else. And then finally the wild card here is Andrew Rappelier who comes in at 240, 35, 240 pounds and is a physically mature player. He has a mature game for a high school tight end, but it's just all about that learning curve. Is he going, is he going to be physically strong enough and is he going to be uh, mentally tough enough and all those things to be a blocker at the high, at, at the college level? Uh, having talked to him and having uh, some interactions with him, I don't, I don't question the toughness. It's just going to be about the discipline and the application of all of that stuff. He's going to get a fire hose of information. He's got to make sure that he can apply all of that very quickly. Because if there's one guy that would be a wild card that fits the H back, I think really well right out of the right out of the gate, it would be Rappelier. Um, But he's young, and and they've got uh, a lot of good players ahead of him. So if you want to have a wild card for a fourth tight end. It would be Rappelier, but the time he's getting, the timing of him getting to Penn State, if he were getting here even in the early summer, like, you know, end of May, I would say it's very different than, you know, kind of getting here in June because you don't have as much time to transition and to make those big strides. So that that's kind of where you would set it up. I think it's three this year, and it's just going to be three with the wild card of if there's a guy in the class of 2024 that's physically and emotionally ready to be a starter or a contributor, I should say, it would be Andrew Rappelier among the, the freshmen this year. And, of course, we never know the wild card of injury. I hate ever even saying the word injury, right. but they do happen. Football's a violent sport, and it may be Rappelier maybe not ready at the beginning of the season, but come October, November, it may be a different kind of player at that point. All right, T. Frank, that is it for quarter number two. Stick around. We've got your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. That means it's time to take your questions and ask T. Frank. That's right. We take your questions, give them to T. Frank, who gives us an exceptional answer every time. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the very best question, and whoever sent us that best question will win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, and that prize pack will include their great coffee barbecue rubs. If you want to send in a question, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button, and away you go. Speaking of winners, T. Frank, I did want to mention, I'm not sure you recall this, our winner last week was Chad from Reading. He asked about the devaluing of the running back in, in football. Yeah. And he sent me back a note where he said, he thank you very much for the conversation, and he learned a lot from our conversation. So how Great. about that? That's awesome. That that's, is 100% the only thing I that that's what I like doing. Uh, you know, hopefully not to... Hopefully I have enough expertise to teach um, and, and explain things and, and transfer knowledge. That is the thing that gets me up in the morning. So that's cool. So thank you. Very good. And yes, you do have the knowledge. T. Frank, let's put it to the test. Sean right. from Mechanicsburg says, hey, T. Frank, Drew Aller played in high school system that was mainly five wide receiver sets. I'd have to think he'd be more advanced at reading coverages than some of the other quarterbacks in this class since most teams he faced in high school would have had extra DBs to cover all the wide receivers. However, because of this, most defenses he faced probably were limited in what the front seven could do. How concerned should we be in his ability to read blitzes and stunts from the front seven at Penn State, since he may not have seen a lot of that the similar looks in high school? I would say if he was a true freshman, this is a more valid conversation, but he's been... You know, the whole point is that, like, he's been in college for a full year. It'll actually longer than that because he's an early enrollee. It'll be like a year and a half before when he starts. So if you start in high school for two years as a junior and senior, he started as a sophomore. He's over halfway through his high school career at this point in the number of years he's been in college. If that makes if that tracks, that wasn't too convoluted. So he's what I'm trying to say is he's had a lot of time. He's had, I think, enough time that he should be competent at these things, given 
Um, and I think he is Sean and I listened to the same interview with, uh, with Christian or <laughs> with Adam Brenneman. Sorry. They talked a lot about Christian Hackenberg. So, uh, that, that came up in my brain subconsciously. Um, he's had enough time to, to learn those things. And he is probably advanced in a coverage, uh, in coverage diagnostics. But here's the other thing about high school coverages. Um, even if, even if you're playing against a team that runs five wide, you're probably playing cover three. You're not playing a bunch of uh, diverse coverages for the most part. And if you are, you're playing very, very basic versions of those things. So it's very it's it's easy to read as long as you don't have a ninth grader out there who's learning for the first time and doesn't know what he's doing and muddling the coverage incidentally, like not intentionally and making it hard to read. So high school coverage. Yes. High school coverage. Eh, not really. Cause here's the thing, like things I've learned watching Mike Yersage's quarterbacks, Ethan Grunkmeyer's team runs five wide. Jackson Smolik's team ran a lot of five wide concepts. And what mostly what that does is it creates single coverage. So you just pick your favorite receiver and underneath coverage. You're, you're, it's not necessarily that you're dictating and manipulating things. You're just spacing the field and, and picking out the weakness in the one-on-one matchup where the defense is trying to play zone, but basically if you run five receivers into five zones, you've got single coverage. And that's a lot of what's going on at the high school level. Now there were some more advanced things that happened because of that, you know, in third down and other places. And I would say that there are more advanced learning from Penn state's quarterbacks. And that's the, you know, I don't want to dismiss that idea, but it's the, it's the next levelness of what high school coverage versus college coverage is, which is basically night and day. And then once you get to the NFL, it's basically night and day from what it is in college. Like every single time, the complexity, the efficiency, and uh, the the uh, diversity of coverages you'll see, just it's a factor of 10. So uh, the fronts, I do think, are something that he can um, identify a little bit better now as compared to maybe when he first stepped on campus. But there isn't. I wouldn't characterize it as he's got all this information as a coverage coverage diagnostics and nothing. It's kind of like he's got a little bit of both and maybe a little extra in coverage. Okay, let's go to Dave in Pensburg who says, T. Frank, one season in, who won the Defensive Coordinator Hiring Award, all things considered? Ohio State with Jim Knowles or Penn State with Manny Diaz? Well, I would say that if you were to look, that's tough. Man, that is a tough question. Team success determines a lot, you know? Um, So Ohio State making a college football playoff and that defense playing well against the run, especially. So so that would be one thing I would point out is like they wanted to get better at stopping the run. And they did uh, last year. They were able to completely turn around their front seven's identity. They struggled at times in coverage because that defense allows, it is more passive. They they kind of play a three safety system where it's just this giant umbrella over everything at all times where they can rotate to a cover three to a cover two. This is kind of what I'm talking about with, with uh, Drew Aller is that, you know, you don't see a lot of three safety systems that, that come from the big 12 and have um, a bunch of diversity in them of how they can stunt to different fronts based on safety rotation. Um, it's year one in the system. Year one went way better for Manny Diaz for sure from a team perspective, from an individual defensive perspective. Penn State secondary was a lot better. Um, and that is a combination of having a lot of talent and also a, a clarity and focus of coverage. 
but also the style of defense where, you know, they're trying to not give anything up. And last year, they, they didn't. They didn't really give up a whole lot in terms of big plays. That might change this year. Uh, and Jim Knowles' defense might be better this year because they've had another year in the system. They recruited a high level. They've got a ton of talent. They just have to apply it properly. Um, Manny Diaz fit really well in the first year, and that transition was much smoother. So I guess you could say Manny Diaz, but um, if you're looking at, like, what's the point? The point is to get to college football playoff, and their defense was good enough to get them to the college football playoff given their strengths overall. I think if you're a Penn State fan, or more importantly, if you're James Franklin, you have to be pleased with what Manny Diaz did. For sure. Let's go to Dominic in Montreal, Quebec. Hey, T. Frank, what do you think is Penn State's identity on offense right now? Michigan's identity is the ground and pound. Ohio State's identity is their dynamic aerial attack. Iowa's identity on offense is essentially being an extension of their special teams. <laughs> How bad? I like the way he, he puts That's that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> is it? But I wondered where he was headed as I was reading it. But how about Penn State? And what do you think their identity should be? What is it? And what should it be, T. Frank? Yeah, I I don't. That's kind of the thing I've been trying to peg down for two years is like, what is their identity and what do they want their identity to be? That's a great question because, you know, I I don't want to put people in a box, right? People are allowed to evolve. People are allowed to change their mind. And Mike Yersich's offense is kind of evolving. So if if you wanted to say what's their identity, tight ends are kind of their identity. You know, not necessarily the running game, but tight ends and how they apply to these putting the defense in a bind. Some of their best games, they were able to use the tight ends to get explosive plays over the middle. But that's not even, I don't think that's like a fair, full assessment of what Mike Yersich did last year. I guess it would be run game diversity is one thing I would say their identity is. You can't you can't peg them down to being an inside zone team. You can't peg them down to being a zone team. You can't say they're a man team. So it's just that they are a diverse run offense that can... Uh, split out and create a lot of problems with with uh, different formations. So it's not as easy to button up that way, right? So they're, they're re- I think maybe the thing is that they're hard to peg and they're hard to kind of tie down on purpose. I think they want to be an explosive passing attack with an explosive run game. Um, you know, the kind of go hand in hand. They don't... Mike Yersich talks a lot about the run game and the run game sets up a lot of things in formation and in uh, different offensive structures that create big explosive passing windows that they want to take advantage of getting more players closer to the line of scrimmage or getting those players to hesitate so that there are bigger windows in coverage. That's really kind of the, what I see of Mike years, is a strong run game that balances the middle of the field so that I can attack wherever I want over the middle and deep. So I do think ultimately they want to lean more towards being an explosive passing attack that challenges down the field more. Um, But what they're going to be this year is I think that this is going to be a very strong play action team where you've got drawing eight guys into the box, using play action, creating plays either on the boot or just in standard play action for Drew Aller. And then they're going to fold in enough of other things to keep everybody balanced, but it'd be run play action I think would be some of uh, what they'll do this year but I don't even that's the thing is I don't even know Mike Yersich does so many things 
He does so many things offensively from using different formations, personnel, and, and plays that it, it is very hard to pin down. I would say they want to be explosive, both with the running game and the passing game, but I think he, they were limited in the passing game based on the wide receivers they had and even yeah. based on the quarterback they had. And I believe the hope is with Drew Aller at quarterback and the receivers make that next step. KT uh, Frank, let's go to Rob in Columbus, Georgia, who says, T Frank, I could feel the eye roll from you, but seriously, who was kicking and punting for the Nets? Is yeah. this going to be a team strength, weakness, or scratch? Well, part of the issue is like, I don't know. I'm not, when I'm at practice, we actually see a, g- a good bit of special teams, a good bit of field goal work specifically. And I am running over to the quarterback to get video of the quarterback because everyone cares about Drew Aller more than they care about the kicker. So specifically, I am blind in this area. But based on what my colleagues talk about, based on what we've heard from Stacey Collins, from James Franklin, from the you know people that matter, there is no answer right now. And that's a bit troubling because Penn State has Baquetta and Sahadak, who are very talented leg talents. You know, like they've got a lot of potential to be what you want at the position. They brought in Alex Falcons and Riley Thompson to challenge those guys and to create a competition. And like nobody's won. You've got veteran with not as much talent that isn't beating out with consistency, the inconsistent young talent. So, yeah, I think at this point, you got to be worried that it is a weakness and that it's not going to be solved. And you're going to have multiple kickers next year. Like that is what we see right now. But that's not what the future is. For sure. To paraphrase the quarterback situation at a lot of places, if you've got two kickers, it means you don't have one kicker. Yep. T. Frank, that's it for quarter three. We'll name our winner in quarter four. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. 
Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is our fourth and final quarter. He is T. Frank. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State football. But before we get to our quarter four topic, we need a winner, T. Frank, from our Ask T. Frank segment. Who is it? Uh, we're going to go with Sean Mechanicsburg asking about Drew Aller's aptitudes based on you know what he did early in his career in high school. Um, is a good question because I, I think people overlook the strengths and weaknesses guys come in with. It's kind of like the, the the fundamentals conversation. Like if if you've got uh, an advanced bank of information, it helps shorten the learning curve. Um, and and it's not the end all be all because the coaching that you're getting at the next level should be better and it should compensate. And and that's what they're there for is to give you all that information. But it's just it's easier when you know more, and it's easier when it's you have proof that the kid can learn. Right. So that's the other thing is, you know, what do you see in high school? So I thought it was a, a good conversation uh, based on some relevant quotes from Aller recently. So I, I like that question. We're going to go with that one. All right. Sean is our winner. And I was so sure you were going to give it to the guy you asked about the kicking game, T. Frank. Yeah, I let's know. move on to our our quarter four topic. And that is wide receiver recruiting been a big topic if you look at the class of 24 there's a big hole there at wide receiver there are no commitments yet partially that's because new coach at wide receiver things always seem to be delayed a little bit but it appears the dam is ready to burst a lot of names to talk about there t frank let's start with uh tysir denmark out of philadelphia he was a longtime commit to oregon he was visiting Penn State this past weekend. It's always a good sign when a kid is on your campus when he decommits to the previous committed school. Yeah. Where are we with Taysir Denmark? What kind of player is he, and why is he so valuable to the Nittany Lions? Yeah, so, you know, in the where are we with him sort of thing, I'll defer to my colleagues at you know, blue white illustrated where they, they have a much better idea of, of that particular part of the puzzle. Um, and as you pointed out, if you're decommitting from a program while taking an official visit somewhere else, like you don't have to be an insider to go, okay, that kind of makes sense where he might be leaning, you know? So we'll, we'll leave that part there. But when it comes to what he is, he's really interesting because he's one of Penn state's top targets, but he fits zero of their traditional, uh, mold of what they're looking for. He is a slot receiver, 5'10", 5'11", thicker kid, uh, but not Parker Washington level thick. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Like he is not a running back. He is a, he is a, a, a well-built slot receiver with not very good speed. I would say for what Penn State is used to recruiting and what Penn State wants to be, he has, that would be the, my biggest concern. You know, not size, not speed. Uh, which are two two things Penn State has been trying to get. Uh, forever they've been trying to get speed. I'll be the fastest receiving core in America. That's what everyone wants to do. That's what makes Alabama so good is they have this elite speed. Um, but he has some of the best change of direction skills I've ever seen. Like it is truly a unique sort of outlier ability. And that makes him a purely like enticing slot receiver because it's not necessarily about how fast you are as a slot receiver. It's about how quickly you can get open in a two way situation. So you can cut right or left as cleanly and as efficiently and as explosively as possible 
creating both doubt and then separation in the defender. He can do that, and I think he can be a dynamic player from that perspective in the slot. My question is, can he get faster? Somebody related this to Jahan Dotson, and I think that's a pretty good comparison. Jahan Dotson wasn't very big, wasn't very fast, but was just a great receiver, and on a high school level, you could see the fluidity and the ability to run away from people even without that speed. So I'd say a familiar build in that sense, but Jahan also was skinny and small. Um, is there more room for Tysir Denmark to get faster, uh, given that he's got a little bit more meat on his bones, right? He's not, you don't have that projection of, okay, well, he's this fast without all of that muscle strength and speed training. What if we then add it? And then that's my question, just kind of an open question that I don't know. I'm not a strength coach. I haven't really been up close to see like, okay, he's got a frame to develop. Um, but he, that's where I think his strengths lie is experience explosive and and really unique change of direction skills which makes him a take like you know having a very specific and strong skill set an outlier skill set that fits slot receiver really well i think that's a good thing um and as much as penn state is choked with slot receivers right now they won't be in the near future because that's how college football works you know guys going to transfer guys are going to graduate and move on and etc cetera, etc cetera. so getting another guy with those skills is really important Let's talk about a couple guys with some size. Nick Marsh, 6'3", 200-pound, four-star from Michigan. Peter Gonzalez, 6'2", 200-pound, three-star from Pittsburgh, T. Frank. Yeah, I like... I, so Penn State wants to get bigger, and they've got two guys that have the bigger part down for sure. Peter Gonzalez coming back from a knee injury last year, so his film is a little bit... Um, you have to understand what you're looking at at first, because... That was the thing I was looking at. Like, this is a guy that's pretty explosive. Uh, but at some points, I was like, is he fast? I, he explodes off the line of scrimmage. He can create dynamic movement. But is he fast? And when you you know know that he had a knee injury, you could see which knee has the, the brace on it. He had an ACL injury. And, like, he was fast on one leg. So then he comes to Penn State. He runs a, a good 40 time and has a lot of really good movement skills, honestly. Like, just a lot of really good explosive metrics, too. So big, fast, explosive, and that's that's a slam dunk. You know, you're looking for you're looking for those X receivers. That's what Peter Gonzalez can bring to you. Uh, the the same thing for Nick Marsh. He's got really good receiver skills too. Like his seven on seven work is really good. High points the ball really well. Catches in traffic really well. And I would say probably not as fast as Gonzalez, even though Gonzalez is a three star. That injury is a part of the reason he is not a four star. Um, also, you know, Nick Marsh and his, his prodigious camp, uh, exploits have made him, you know, a, a strong player in the recruiting game as well. So Penn State in a great position with two guys to fill that role and something they don't have on the roster. I think that's a, that's a huge win if both of them commit to this class, because then you get an infusion of what you were looking for. So those guys fill kind of a similar role. But, I mean, it's fine. You can put them both on the field and figure it out later. A name we've heard a lot about uh, recently, Josiah Brown, out of New York. He's listed as an athlete, but I'm assuming he's a wide receiver, T. Frank. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of safety tape. So that's the first thing is he is a track athlete. So I, he doesn't have blazing 40 times, 100 meter times. He doesn't have like the 10 fives on his resume. But he has consistent sub 11, 100 meter dashes, which is what you're looking for. So he's fast, uh, but also plays safety and, and can deliver a blow, can take one over the middle of the field. Strong 
uh, receiver over the middle isn't afraid to to go get the football. So if if I've characterized characterized it this way previously, um, Penn State has had a lot of Z receivers that can play the slot, but not a lot of Z receivers that can play X. Um, and that's why they've gotten this kind of issue. Of they don't have enough big bodies to play on the outside and challenge single coverage. Brown is kind of the traditional. He's a Z, but he's also a slot. He can. He's more of that what they already have on the roster. But what they already have on the roster and, and trying to hit that particular type of receiver is incredibly valuable, too. Like you want to have a guy that's a route runner that gets open, creates space and and has great speed. And at 5'11", almost six feet tall, Josiah Brown has all of those skills. So he's, he's just almost exactly what you're looking for from that particular archetype of a of a player. So that's you know, he is um, maybe not in their top top tier, but he is uh, a very valuable skill that they want to bring in for sure. I want to ask you about Rico Scott out of Harrisburg, who's currently committed to Alabama. But let's face it, we just heard this story. An in-state kid committed elsewhere, ends up at Penn State. So perhaps that's a possibility, but I know you like Rico Scott. Yeah, so he's maybe a little bit smaller than I thought originally. I thought he was closer to six feet tall. Uh, but the dude is explosive in a in a unique way. Um, this is going to be a little stupid to say a little Debo Samuel in him. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to line up at running back and I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL receiver and be that, but in terms of style of play of physical explosive can line up in the slot, can line up out wide, got a couple running back targets, uh, can line up at X. Like I think you can line him up anywhere and he'll be a physically adept player to fulfill that role. And I just, that uniqueness of, of, uh, the way he runs has so much physicality in it, even though like most of the time you don't seem being touched. Like it's, it's just, you see like, okay, you add 15 pounds to him and that is a runaway freight train. And I just like his stockiness. I like, I like what I see from, from Rico Scott. He's one of my favorite players to, to scout. And, you know, I think there's been interest between him and Penn state and, you know, guys that uh, your in-state school leans on you for long enough, you know, anything's possible. See Tysier Denmark for that. I'm going to give you two names to round things out. One is uh, Jere Hawkins, 5'9", 165 out of IMG. Obviously not the biggest of guys, but I imagine he's lightning quick. The other one is Chance Robinson, who's currently committed to Miami. Yeah, a lot of previously committed players on this list. Even Nick Marsh <laughs> used to be committed to uh, to Michigan State. So, Jeray Hawkins is really fun to watch because if he were playing tag football on his highlight film, nobody would have. I watched the whole thing and like he got tackled like three times and had numerous explosive play touchdowns of 20, 30, 40, 50 yards. Now he's transferring to IMG. So all of his film is against, I think he's from West Virginia, I want to say. So like the level of competition is what it is. Uh, but dynamic speed, probably the best speed in this class by a, a smidge. And then, you know, I think he's got great di uh, lateral explosiveness and the ability to be that kind of all around speed athlete. But you're right, 165, 59. If you don't think he plays big, then that is going to be an issue. But unique speed is unique. And I think he I think he does have that unique speed. So he has to be a part of this class. But as you can see, there's a lot of guys that are good and a lot of guys that also do have speed. So is that one card uh, a trump card to get him in the class? We'll see. You know, that's going to kind of be what plays out over the next four weeks or so. 
And then finally, you got Chance Robinson, who is one of the top receivers in this class up there with Nick Marsh because he is awesome. Like everything I think Rico Scott is, is what Chance Robinson for sure is. He, you can line him up anywhere on the field. He plays, he actually plays X for his high school. So like you can see those translation skills of one-on-one winning jump balls, but he can also play and run routes and be an exceptional athlete in combination routes and getting open versus zone coverages. And he high points the ball. Well, he's physical through contact. He's six one. So he's not quite the X receiver, but he is, uh, he's just really good. He's just really, really good. Okay. A lot of names there. T Frank, we'll see who commits. But that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.